0: We come now to Genesis chapter 39 in our survey through the book of Genesis. And we've been in this book for over a year, haven't we? And my, what a journey it's been just in the life of Joseph. And we come to chapter 39 in verse 20. And Joseph's master, that was Potiphar, he was the head of all of um, Pharaoh's executions. He was the head of his guard. He was a man of high esteem. He took Joseph and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. I hope you'll mark that. That makes all the difference, doesn't it? That was the theme of our message last week. But the Lord was with Joseph. And showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. This is literally an uh, example of the inmates running the, the asylum, the, the prisoners running the, the prison. He was in charge of all the other prisoners. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. All that ought to be said of God's people wherever they find themselves. Trustworthy, honest, rise to the occasion, dependable. The boss can can rest confidently because that believer is there. And though he may not agree with your profession of faith, he cannot disagree with the quality of your work and your honesty and your integrity. He was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him. And that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. That does not mean that all of God's people will have such favor. But it does mean when it does happen, it's clearly of the Lord, doesn't it? The Lord, would you give us light today to this the word and help us, as we read in the Scripture reading this morning, not to suffer as evildoers. For what glory is it if we're suffered for our faults and we take it patiently? But if we do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable unto God. And Joseph is such an example of, for what Peter wrote about. Now, Lord, give us understanding and light, and bless us, we pray, as your people. And for those who are outside of Christ, we pray that they would see their condition and run to the Savior even now. He's so ready to save, with hands out extended, saying, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Oh, Lord, may they run to Christ and trust Him and believe on Him for salvation. We beg in Jesus' name. Amen. What a contrast it seems to most who would read the last part of Genesis chapter 39, verse 20. And the first part of verse 21 we read, And he, Joseph, was there in the prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. This reminds us of Daniel when placed in the den of lions by King Darius of Persia or, or Daniel's fellow Jewish friends when they were placed in the fiery furnace. We read that in every case the Lord was with them. There is never a time when the Lord is not with us. Can you say amen right there? Now, friends, this is not based on feeling, is it? Our feelings would tell us quite something quite different than that, but the Bible is where we always receive our encouragement in what we believe. The Lord was with Joseph. His promise: Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end. That's how long. To the end. To the end of all things. And then He promises, I will never, and you know in the Greek, the construction is never, ever, no, never, ever leave thee, nor forsake thee. He's given us His Word. The songwriter so graciously reminds us every day, The Lord himself is near me with a special mercy for each hour. All my cares he fain would bear and cheer me. He whose name is counselor and power. The protection of his child and treasure is a charge that on himself he laid. As your days, your strength shall be in measure. This the pledge to me he made. Circumstances are simply that. We all have them. They're things, they're issues, they're situations, things that take place, people's responses to us, tests, situations. Those are circumstances. We cannot deny them. We cannot pretend they're there, and yet they do not make us. The circumstances of Joseph being in prison did not circumvent the Lord being with him. Most of us would say, I can sense the Lord's presence when I'm with His people, when I've heard His praises sung and His word read and preached. And in a very special way, this means of grace the Lord has given to encourage us. But the Lord is with us all times, not just on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. The Lord is with us in it all. Joseph's circumstances are that he has been falsely accused, as we have already read that portion of scripture by uh, the Potiphar's wife, his boss's wife. And he's been set up by uh, a scorned woman <clears throat> who makes it appear to be something that it was not. She knows the truth. Joseph knows the truth. But the evidence, as you can imagine, with Potiphar is overwhelming against Joseph. And he is a clear example of what our Lord tells us in 1 in Peter now, Joseph, it would not have mattered if he claimed innocence or whatever. Whatever the leaders in that day said, the Pharaoh's head of his bodyguard, there was no excuse. And, and Joseph quietly and patiently had to endure his circumstances. All of this has been staged and Joseph is now suffering for righteousness sake. I want to, to remind you what he said when, when Potiphar's wife made the pass at him. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That was the standard. That was the line which Joseph would not cross. How can I do this and sin against God. And that question ought to ring in our ears day by day, moment by moment. When circumstances, it may not be exactly like this as before us, but there will be always things that will test our integrity, our testimony, our character, and let it always come to mind, how could I do this and sin against God? Our Lord gives a special promise I want to remind us a special blessing to those who find themselves in the circumstance that Joseph does. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Now, Joseph is not being persecuted for his disposition, is he? I mean, he didn't smart off to Potiphar or whenever, anything else that he could have done that we might be tended to do, uh, tempted to do. He is genuinely suffering for his righteous stand, his unwillingness to sin. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a promise. The Lord says that. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice, mine. Now that's hard to do, isn't it? Paul and Silas did, didn't they? And they're singing at midnight. Called the jailer, it was part of the thing that caused the jailer, along with an earthquake and some other things, to, to question their faith and how he himself could be saved. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. Now that just doesn't go into our thinking that's why it has to be from the lord in the scripture because we would not humanly rejoice and be glad when something that's said against us that's not true or we lose our job is in position as joseph did or be put in prison falsely again he reminds us why we rejoice are we rejoiced? That our name is slandered or that we're in prison no it didn't feel any better to joseph to be in prison than it would be for you or me to be locked up today but rejoice and be exceeding glad why For great is your reward in heaven. Twice in that text he reminds us there's more to it than this down here. There's more to it than the the promotion that your boss can give you or your job or whatever can be down here. There's an eternity out there. And great is your reward where? In heaven. One old preacher said, do you want your reward now or do you want it throughout all of eternity? Do you want it just in this life? Most people do want things instantly. But the eternal things are just that. They're eternal. And largely our reward will be there in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Joseph will have a, he stands at the head of a long line of people. He has those that preceded him through all the Old Testament prophets. We have example after example of those who have suffered just like that. The question is why do we think we should be exempt? Why should we not think that we should be included there? But We see there in verse 8, he refused, and he said unto his master's wife, My master does not know, woteth not what is with me in the house. He hath committed all that he hath to my hand. Do you see the character of Joseph? I have been trusted. I have a trustworthy position, and so do you. Now, you may not think that of your job, but you're vocation, whatever it is, is the means that God has given you to serve Him. It is His will for you, and through that is your platform to live out the gospel on a daily day basis. I fear that so many of God's people think that they cannot serve the Lord unless it's on visitation on Tuesday night or in the Sunday school class or wherever they are uh, doing those so-called spiritual things. But Joseph tells, shows us, and Daniel tells us, that to even taken captive or prisoner of war... We are serving the Lord, and he has allowed the circumstances for us to be where we are to give our father great glory and honor, and we're to live out the gospel in that situation. I'm convinced that Joseph was able, knowing the person he was, was able to testify to the captain of the guard in the prison where he was. Just like Paul under house arrest. What did he say about being under arrest uh, to Caesar? He said, well, because of that, many in Caesar's household have heard the gospel. And we know that the, the guards that came to guard Paul were part of Caesar's household. They were all considered part of his his household. Can you imagine what those guards had to hear every day? The praying, the dictating of letters, the visitors that came and went. They had to stay there and listen to the, the, the holy things of God being discussed. Conversion, repentance, the, the burden of sin, how God saves a soul, the conditions of the churches... The grace of God, and they heard all that. And don't you know they were glad when their, their shift was over? <laughs> I can just see one of those, one of those big burly soldiers as he left, and the new ones coming on. He said, "I hope you take it I hope you're ready for it." He goes on and on and on and on. Some of those came to know the Lord, or at least the gospel was known by them. Paul tells us, and would not have gotten there had Paul not been in prison in that way. Our Lord gives a special promise and a special blessing to those who find themselves in these situations. Joseph is suffering for righteousness' sake. Now, the problem is so much of our suffering is not that. It is because we mouth off. It is because we do the wrong thing. And then we take it patiently, and Peter says, why are you patting yourself on the back when you smart off to your boss for not being on time or, or for or not doing the job that you were supposed to do or not being there on the day that you were supposed to do it? Why would you take that patiently when you, you were in the wrong? Joseph is suffering for righteousness' sake. The Lord is at work. He's always at work, isn't he? In my life and in your life, he's working on Joseph, perfecting him, burning out the dross. Joseph was greatly favored, but as some commentators have pointed out, he may have had a little little attitude. He did wear that coat of many colors out to the field to, to see how his brothers were doing, didn't he? I mean, he didn't have to wear it, I don't think, out there. And I know we're reading between the lines, and that's dangerous to do. But uh, Joseph, any young person put in that kind of position with that kind of authority and and all would have uh, had the the tendency to be uh, lifted up with pride. But God has something for Joseph to do, and he does for you and for me as well. And pride is not part of the recipe. Did you realize that? And those things in our lives that that are are not conducive to being used of the Lord, He's got to deal with. And He'll use people and circumstances to deal with them. We want to be sanctified. We just don't want the Lord to do it like this. We want to choose how He sanctifies us. And that coworker or that next-door neighbor that's sanctifying you right now over the, the dog or the property line or whatever it may be, it calls us to have to respond as Christians in a situation where we could say, I'm right. Now Joseph could have stood up and hollered all day long. I'm right. Potiphar's wrong. His wife is wrong. It didn't change the circumstance one minute, did it? And so Joseph is suffering for righteousness sake. Let us be careful that if we suffer, it is because of, we're right smack dab in the middle of God's will. But the Lord is at work. He's perfecting Joseph. He's preparing him for what he has prepared for him. You see, the Lord knows the end for the beginning. He knows a famine is coming. He knows he's going to give Joseph that revelation. He knows he's going to give an opportunity to rise to the top, to be, as it were, prime minister over Egypt. But he's got to work on him. Is Joseph ready for that now? Obviously not, because the Lord has him in the University of Hard Knocks, doesn't he? The University of Sanctification. The Lord has a bigger job for Joseph to do, but Joseph's not ready for it now. He's going to be prime minister or chief of staff of Pharaoh and oversee the planting and the finances and the planning of an entire nation. Not just the steward of a man's household, not just helping run a prison, but the entire nation. And that's quite, I don't care how how good of an administrator you are, that's a big deal from being over your dad, the head of your family business over the shepherding business back home or in Potiphar's household, God has big things prepared for him. Joseph, no doubt, would have settled down comfortably as the business manager of Potiphar. It was a cushy job. I mean, he, had a, he was over people. He could boss people around. He probably had great privilege. He lived in a lavish household. But that's not a bad job. But it wasn't the end job, the terminal job that God wanted for him. In his contentment, he would never have moved from Potiphar's household if the Lord had not made it where he would have to move. Sometimes God does that in our lives. There's nothing else to do but go this direction. He makes the, the circumstances so uncomfortable that he has to do something else. The Lord knows exactly what it takes to get us to where he wants us to be. Can you say amen right there? Doesn't your testimony testify to that fact? You're sitting here today in the state of grace, wherever you are in this, this thing of sanctification. And you're not where you were. Praise God for that. You can say amen there. Oh, praise the Lord we're not back there. And we're not where God wants us to be either, though. And the danger is some of God's people think they are. And they would be willing just to settle in. We've got it so good. The blessings of the Lord are so good. Everything's going our way. Skippity-doo-dah. What a wonderful day. And then, bam! We didn't see that coming, did we? But God knows exactly what we need. Because He sees more than just our happiness on May the 31st, 2015. He sees the last day of our lives. He knows the last breath that Chris Lamb will take. And the circumstances that will bring up to it he knows all that he wants me accomplished until that time he knows exactly what it takes to get me to where he wants me to be and you as well now by nature we're slow to move have you noticed that well you've noticed it about other people you've noticed it about your husband or your wife or your neighbor or your boss but we all are slow to move and we're slow to move spiritually as well We are more preoccupied with our comfort of what feels good, what we like, our ease, our reputations, our careers, than we are about our spiritual development. But guess what God is 10 million times more concerned about than any of those things? He's more concerned about your spiritual development than your reputation. And Joseph's reputation has been ruined. But your reputation is in the hands of God. Paul said, we're the filth of the world. Remember, he said, nobody believes a thing we have to say. As far as the world considers, and he was speaking of being an apostle. Someone we would look back up to from this vantage point. But in Paul's day, the Roman Empire could care less about it. They didn't even believe an apostle. So what? He says, we are considered by uh, the privileged and the, 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 the beautiful people and those in, in positions as filth. Does it get any lower than that? You go in and somebody's tracked in from the yard, mud all over the floor. Who did all this filth on the floor? You look on your favorite comforter ladies and, you know, there's muddy footprints on it or, or whatever it is, filth. Filth is repulsive. And Paul said that's the way the world looks at us, is repulsive. We're more concerned about our ease, about our reputation, than about our spiritual development. But guess what? The Lord is so concerned about your inner man. The Lord is more concerned about our holiness than he is about our temporary happiness. Jonah, though, is more concerned about the the gourd that was sheltering him than he was about the souls of Nineveh. Do you see how skewed our comfort can get? You think, now, a preacher ought to have a better perspective than that. He's been called to preach a message to an entire city that God has told him to go. And he didn't want to go. He goes out. He pouts because he knew that God is merciful and gracious and saves the people. Still, God, in his mercy, allows a a shade to grow miraculously over him. And then he withers it away to show Jonah, guess who's in charge? And, And guess everything is temporary, but souls are eternal. And Jonah ends that book pouting because his gourd is gone his shade is gone like a little child who's walking along and the top part of their ice cream cone falls into the sidewalk their world is over with at that moment my you can you cannot console you can there's nothing you can do to a little child whose ice cream cone has fallen onto the hot sidewalk but that's us all we can see is the ice cream cone melting on the sidewalk it may have been our last nickel to buy it. What are we going to do now? But God is so much more than that and more concerned than than that little moment of time. We know that, we know this. We know it. Here. We know that all things, you can quote the verse, can't you? Work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Do you think that would apply to Joseph? We're out absolutely we 're studying his life so we can talk about him well, Joseph is called to this brother lamb that 's what he 's doing in his life for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that 's what God is doing in our lives post conversion post salvation he 's conforming us, molding us to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called aren 't you grateful for the gospel call that called us and we came in repentance and faith to the Lord Jesus Christ whom he called them he also justified only God can justify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and whom he justified them he also glorified. Wait a minute we're not there yet. Between justification that's salvation isn't it? The record's clear today he washed my sins away the old account was settled. Between justification and glorification guess what here we are it's today it's right now it's that parenthesis from conversion until we're glorified and i'm looking around i don't see any glorified people in here now god can see you glorified but you don't look glorified to me and don't even tell me what i look like to you i didn't ask we're not glorified are we But those He justified, He will glorify. But what does He do in the meantime? He conforms us to the image of His Son. The Lord is more concerned about our holiness than our temporary happiness. The Lord was with Joseph. Let me ask you, is He with you? The Bible tells us that God resisteth the proud but gives grace to the humble. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. That's... That's the formula. That's what the scripture tells us. And pride is that stumbling block that stops the sanctification process that, that God wants to do. Now, Joseph could have responded, I want you to know I'm innocent. This, And he could have been swelled up with pride over the matter. And God never have worked out in his life what he wanted him to We are not told all that goes on in Joseph's life. We're just told, interestingly, the Holy Spirit decides to paint us a picture of what was going on peripherally around him and where he was put. You can tell a lot by what a person does. The old English word is conversation. And it's not just what I'm doing right now. It's how we live it out. And the Bible says only let your conversation be without covetousness. It talks about how we live out the gospel. And that is our responsibility. Whether it's in prison or at Potiphar's steward or if it's the prime minister of Egypt. Where God places us, we're to live it out there. Some of you think that you could be a better Christian somewhere else doing something else. Than being the wife or the husband that you're married to or in the job that you are or in the church that you're in or with the children that you have or own and own and own and own. And you look across the greener pastures and see somebody else and say, well, sure, they can serve the Lord. They've got it all made. They don't have any problems. And we, we reasoned all this silly reasoning that's not true. Because we're all sinners saved by grace with bodies and marriages and children and jobs. And nobody, nobody, nobody has a charmed life, so to speak, where nothing interferes that Eden of their condition. Verse 21 tells us, but. Praise the Lord for those holy conjunctions. But. Here's the deal. He's in prison. But. So whatever your situation is, your address is, what's going on there, but the Lord was with Joseph. That's the most important part of the equation, isn't it? doesn't matter what else is going your way or not going your way, but the Lord. The Lord was with Joseph and the Lord is with all of his children. I'm sure it didn't feel good to Joseph. I I bet he probably didn't feel like the Lord was with him. May I tell you that this is not based on emotion. Suffering never feels good. I mean, if you, if you suffer, suffer is suffering. Pain, though, is a gift from God, though, isn't it? Those who cannot feel pain are susceptible to all kinds of horrible situations and death. Pain, though we don't want it, it, it tells us something, doesn't it? Something's not right somewhere and it needs to be addressed. No one likes to be falsely accused. The soul can be pain, just like the body can be pain. No, no one enjoys going to prison. If I were to take a, 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 a have a bus parked out here and say, oh, "We've got a, a, a jump to prison. We're going to stay there about a month." Does anybody want to go today? I don't think I'd have very many people to to sign up for that trip. Maybe there'd be some, but I doubt it. You might want to just change the circumstances. So bad that prison sounds good, but the the circumstances are like that. No one for an indefinite period of time, being sidetracked. And, and Don't you think that, humanly speaking, Joseph would think, well, I could be doing better than this. I mean, this is a waste of time. I mean, I've got gifts that can be used. I'm an administrator. I can solve problems. I can interpret dreams. And here I am just peeling away, being in charge of the prison. For all Joseph knows, he will never get out of prison. There's no indication. He has no problem. This is not a time where you got to hire a lawyer and get lawyered up and get somebody to plead your cause. He would stay there until the, the king changed his mind. Sometimes the king would forget about who's there and never, they would never come. That's why when new people came in, remember me when you get out of here is what they would say. Speak a word for me. But the Lord was with him. That makes all the difference in the world. I don't care who you know, what connections you have, what you have in the bank, what you're going to inherit. What you're never going to get, I don't care of any of those circumstances, but I am very concerned with this answer to this question. Is the Lord with you? Are you the Lord's? That's all that you need to know. He's in control of all circumstances, is he not? If he's not, we need to just fold the book and go home and get in a cave somewhere and even there not be safe. If God is not in control, we're of all men most miserable. We may be allowed to be cast into a den of lions, but the Lord can give the lions lockjaw if he chooses to, can he? He may in his sovereignty allow us to be put in a prison-like circumstance. And I'm not underestimating the prison and, and the prison-like circumstances you, that you may be in today. I realize that there are things and circumstances in people's lives, and we're not making light of it. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. It's not important. But we can rest assured it is so that if we're there, If we're in that vice of circumstance, it is that he may be gracious to us and work on our behalf and perfect us to make the gold in us rise to the top. It is the Lord who gives success, as we see there in verses 22 and verse 23. It was the Lord who turned the favor of of the the prison guard toward uh, Joseph. He saw something different in him. But what if he hadn't? This may not always happen. It did happen in Joseph's life. You could be in circumstances indefinitely or forever. But may I remind you, this is not all there is to it. This body, this life, this earth is not all there is to it. There's a world to come. He becomes, though, the most trusted inmate in the prison. Now, I might not get myself out of prison, but I can work on Chris Lamb while I'm in prison. I might not can change the circumstance I find myself in this morning or you, but you can do all that you can with the resources you have, which, by the way, are unbelievable. The vehicle of prayer, the Lord's infallible Word, His indwelling Holy Spirit, you have great resources, unspeakable resources, and a wealth of resources that the unsaved have no no access to. They can't call on the Creator of the universe and plead their cause. They can't ask for grace that's sufficient in time of need like like you and I can. He obviously learns management skills there. Someone might say, well, I could learn them in a better place in a different way. But, but God puts, in Joseph's situation, this was part of the recipe for his life. He's going to manage an entire kingdom. And here he learns to manage the prison. Now, I don't know how many were there or how large it was. That The king would put in hundreds of people in prison sometimes. I mean, if he got mad at a whole group of people, they were coming and going. And usually when they left, they, their head wasn't with them. You know, they were, they were divided asunder. And so it was, a, it was a, a horrible situation, and there Joseph is managing the prison. Now, I don't know what all that entailed, but God was equipping him for what he had prepared for him. Can you look at life that way? Lord, I don't know why you have me right here now. This seems so mundane. It doesn't feel good. I'd rather be somewhere else doing something else. But, Lord, you've got me here, and I can't do anything else. Would you perfect me? Would you not let me miss it, blow it, and not learn what you want to, me to in this situation? Two or three years ago, as many of you know, I became very ill. I had fever 102 for 29 days in a row. Every night my fever would go up so high. It was just horrible, horrible. I would dread the night coming. And it was a, it was a dark time in in our our lives and there was those of you who know the situation Kathy and I were going through unbelievable personal problems that period of time financial things with our house and being destroyed and all of that and it just seemed like the whole world was crashing down and I remember begin as you always do Lord you, you begin to pray deliver me deliver me avenge me my adversary deliver me change my circumstances and he didn't day after day he didn't And then you begin to think, okay, he's not changing these circumstances. I knew in my head, in my theology, that God could heal me in a second if he wanted to. I I had no, my faith in the promises of God's word never wavered one time. So he began to show me, and I began to pray, Lord, don't heal me. Until I learn and pass whatever test it is you have for me. Don't let me miss it. Don't let me go through all this and be like a horse or a mule And still come out the same way as I came in this. And the prayer began to be different. And I'll be honest with you. It was toward the end of that time. I haven't spoken much about this. It was toward the end of that month. When I began to pray that way. That the Lord began to change the circumstances. And the healing came. He obviously learns management situations. That He learns some things he couldn't learn in any other circumstance. And so that's where God has him. We learn by comparing Scripture with Scripture, something in Psalm 105 that is not mentioned in the narrative. It's hinted at here. Uh, the Bible tells us in verse 20 he was bound. But the important method of bible studies always compare scripture to scripture psalm 105 tells us he sent a man before them god did even joseph who was sold for a servant whose feet they hurt with fetters he was laid in iron now aren't you do you see how important it is to read all the bible because you get more of the picture than the than the holy spirit gives us here in genesis the genesis just tells us he was bound but the psalmist who is inspired to write as well, says his feet and hands were bound in iron and he was hurt. I guess it would hurt to be bound in iron. And we don't know how long he was in that situation, but we do know this. There was a period of time from going into the prison until he began to be the, the overseer of it. See, that didn't happen instantaneously. He, would, he hurt physically for a period of time before the Lord changed that for him. Until the time that his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. The king sent and loosed him. Even the ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house. But do you see that process that God is working? He had him in, in, in iron because evidently Joseph would only hear the Lord in the way he wanted to speak to him in that circumstance. The Lord never does anything capriciously or mean. But he has to deal with Joseph in a way that is very real and lasting and that Joseph will see that there is a God in heaven. Verse 18 tells us, There whose feet they were hurt with fetters, he was laid in iron. Evidently, there he was treated very cruelly. His prisoners were. I mean, they were. he didn't say, oh, you used to be Potiphar's head of his house. We're going to treat you nicely because you had a high position. That may have made him treat him even worse. And when you spread abroad in prison that he tried to, to molest the Potiphar's wife, I'm sure he was treated even worse. It, it became more and more compounded. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, it's tragic when a person succeeds before he's ready for it. The Bible tells us in the New Testament, not a novice... Our Father knows this and tirelessly perfects us, chiseling away in all of our character flaws. The writer of Hebrews reminds us God is not unrighteous. He's not, is He? Is our God unrighteous? Of course not. To forget your work and your labor of love which you have showed toward His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, and we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope and to the end. That you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The sanctification process begins with patience. Something we are in so dire need of. Something we as sinners are in short supply and don't highly prize is patience. Oh, we want people to be patient with us and give us a break. But on the return patience with other people long suffering with other people and with circumstances and even with the Lord we're not apt to be the most treasured things in life the most valuable things in life the most valuable graces in the Christian life in our spiritual development take time uh, a rich father brought his son to the college president and uh, he gave heavily to the school and when he enrolled his son in the college, he went to, the, to the, the the president of the college, who was later president of the United States. He said to him, I want my son to get in and out of here just as fast as he can. I don't want any undue. He gave him, you know, all that that pressure. And the, the president looked that wealthy father and donor and, uh, you know, giver to the college in the eye, and he said, well, it all depends on what you want him to grow. If you wanting to grow a watermelon, it didn't take very long at all to grow that. But if you plan to grow an oak tree, it will take time and effort. You see, we want to be on the fast track and something grow big and be there immediately and see it. But what do you have? You want a watermelon? Or do you want an oak tree? Those things that are enduring, that are worthwhile, take time. Knowing this, James says, the trying of your faith worketh patience. That's the only way. To increase your faith. Or one of the key ways. That's not the way we would do it, would we? The trying, the testing of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. Don't interrupt what God is doing in your life. That you may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. For one thing, Joseph meets some people in prison, doesn't he? Do you ever think every day God allows you to meet people that you wouldn't meet any other way? that detour that you're taking, that wait in the doctor's office, that, that different thing that you, wherever you're going throughout the day, please know that God will bring you in contact with people that you wouldn't ordinarily meet, and we ought to be conscious of their souls, their condition, and, and trying to get the gospel over to them. And God puts Joseph, like later he'll put Paul in prison, to minister, yes, minister there. Would they have had a minister in that prison if, if Joseph hadn't been there? would Caesar's household had the gospel preached to them if Paul not been in prison the question is are we preaching the gospel or speaking the gospel as we're given opportunity where we are he comes in contact with some of Pharaoh's closest servants the cupbearer was the food taster i was watching recently a, uh, a special about the president and those who prepare the president's food they're all stewards in the navy and the people who prepared, and then the people they were given all the, the the rigmarole that it went to before it got gets to the the president. Well, the the cupbearer didn't just take the cup of, uh, to the king; he tasted everything in the king's presence, because in this day the king had enemies, and he would make he would wait and see if the cupbearer fell dead of poison before he would take it. This was one of the most intimate positions you could have being the food taster to the king. He was in constant, intimate, and at close proximity to him. He would stand there or at the king's side throughout the meal so the king could observe him. And I'm sure he, he was privy to all kinds of discussion, conversation. And so Joseph became connected with the Pharaoh's cupbearer and his, the royal baker. He's got some contacts now that he would not have had. And that may sound humorous, but God is constantly brings us into contact with people. Please know that you never know who you meet, how your life will be entwined with theirs, or how they can be useful to you or you to help them in some way. The cupbearer was daily in the presence of the king. And he says, Joseph says, well, when you get back and you get out of here, remember where I am. These two men will be used of the Lord to to free Joseph eventually. And to guide him to a position in Pharaoh's court. Now, you and I wouldn't have taken that route to get to where he's going. But God knows the way that I take, Job said. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. In prison, the Lord allowed Joseph to interpret dreams. Acts chapter 7, verse 9, again, comparing Scripture with Scripture. And the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all of his afflictions. By the way, that's the promise that God gives to every one of his children. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of some of them. Is that what the Scripture Out of them all. And gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, And he made him governor over Egypt and all of his house. God was at work in Joseph's life. And may I tell you today, God is at work in your life. Aren't you glad of that? Now, you may be here today and say, Brother Lamb, I wouldn't have chosen this. This is not what I had in mind. Joseph could say the same. Prison wasn't what he was hankering for. A promotion maybe, but not this kind of promotion. It will be two years before Joseph graduates from the ministry of, the, from the university of prison. But the Lord is patiently at work within him. You know that even in my impatience, God never, I don't slow him down or speed him up one second by my little tirades. Do you? Have you found that to be the case? For which cause we faint not, Paul says, but though our outward man perish, and it is, isn't it? It's perishing day by day. Yet the inward man, is renewed day by day for our light affliction. Paul piles up everything you can go through in this life. And you know, he puts the title over it, Light Affliction. How can he do that? How can you call everything a person will go through in their life and put over it in a category, Light Affliction? Well, we're looking at the wrong thing. We're looking at the affliction, we're looking at the pain, we're looking at the process. For our light affliction, then he tells us something else, which is but for a moment. All of your life, whatever you go through in life, is a moment compared to what? Eternity. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal what do you want a watermelon or an oak tree i was weeding out front of the church the other day and there was the most beautiful little pecan tree growing in the middle midst of the greenery there and I, it bugs me when stuff get in that and so in my suit and tie i just got out there and somebody came along and said preacher do you need some help i said no i'm just doing what i do and I pulled up, and guess what? It was the first time I pulled up the pecan tree out of the, the greenery, and on the end of it, the pecan was still there from which the little tree had grown from. So I went around and showed it to everybody. Nobody was impressed. I was just absolutely thrilled. The first time I had seen the, the, the tree growing, they do come from pecan. That is the nut, you know. It takes a long time, though, for that pecan tree to bear those nuts, doesn't it? take a long time before it's able to do that all kinds of circumstances do you want a melon or pecan tree let us pray lord we know that you know what's best and we want what you want for us and so lord i pray that you would give us exactly what we need may we see your hand in everything that we do Lord, for some, under the sound of my voice, their greatest need is salvation. They think it's this or that, but they're just unregenerate. They're lost. They've never come to you and asked for cleansing and forgiveness for their unbelief and rebellion. They've had their own way, their own ideas. They think they can save themselves or that they're all right. They've never been shown their condition. And I pray that, By your spirit, you would do that just now and show them that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Those of you who've heard this word today, you've been given an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would tell you as a a preacher to turn from yourself and your sin and go to Jesus Christ just now. Take him at his word with your whole heart tell him of your need for salvation he's a wonderful gracious savior he stands ready to save you and if you have have been alarmed by your sin you've been convicted by your sin by the holy spirit that is a work and a sign that god is doing a work in your life and we point you to jesus christ and you can call on him right now where you are ask him to cleanse you of your sin and forgive you and to make you a clean heart and to give you his own righteousness that's what he promises to do and this is not based on feeling this is a work of the lord you don't have to speak out loud you can call on him in your heart the bible promises whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved lord would you use your word to the conversion of the lost today oh bless us today lord and do your work in our midst sanctify us lord Lord, we're your people, and we fail so often. Lord, help us as your people to be right with you and right with one another. We pray that you'd bless our church and revive us and do what you alone can do. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.